Amen. All right, so we're starting week three of our Joseph series. I hope you all have been enjoying it. Um, it's, it's a great study, and we're just going to jump right in today. In week three, we're going to be talking about trust issues today, all right? Yay, uh, trust issues. And we're going to be jumping right from uh, into Genesis chapter 39. Last week, we left off the story of Joseph. He was getting sold into slavery, going to Egypt, uh, completely betrayed by his family. And this is where we pick up in his story. Starting in verse 1 of Genesis 39. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Okay, so just like when we began our study on Joseph and we talked about his family situation, we talked about his dad, Jacob, and even his grandmother and just how Joseph inherited all these family issues and had this huge dysfunctional family, right? And we did that because so, we wanted to better understand who Joseph was, right? And we talked about if, if we don't understand who he is and where he comes from and his family, then we really don't appreciate Joseph as a person. And so in that same way, we need to understand what he is going through right now because his family has been kind of put on the shelf. We're not gonna see his family for a little while. But now Joseph is into this new chapter of his life with this new person in his life and he goes by the name of Potiphar. And unless we understand Potiphar in this situation that Joseph is now in, we are not gonna truly appreciate the lessons that we can draw from Joseph's life. So that's what we're gonna start with this morning is really looking at Potiphar. And what we learn here in this first verse of Genesis 39 is three things. The Bible is very clear. It says that Potiphar was an officer of the Pharaoh. He was a captain of the guard. And then it says again, an Egyptian. Okay, so three points that it hammers out about Joseph's new life, all right? He is working for, he is an enslaved, literally, to this guy named Potiphar, who is an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, all right? So, in other, and I love that last part where it says, yes, he is an Egyptian. Let's not get that confused, okay? Potiphar was not some guy from a foreign land that worked his way up in the ranks of Egypt. No, he was an Egyptian, okay? And his name, Potiphar, actually means devoted to the sun, S-U-N, all right? Not S-O-N, S-U-N, okay? And the sun in Egypt was a god to be worshiped. All right, and so here, Joseph, this Hebrew from little old Canaan, a shepherd who worships uppercase G God, is a slave to an Egyptian whose name literally means dedicated to a false God, okay? Not a pretty picture, all right? This screams, these three things that Genesis 39 tells us is that Joseph, he ain't in Kansas anymore, okay? He is in a place where it doesn't matter who he worships, right? It doesn't matter what he believes because Potiphar worships a false God and truly I believe in his house, Potiphar is God, okay? Egypt in and, and, and this time is the Mecca, right? It is the, it is the center of the universe. It's where the best military is, the best, the best restaurants, the best education, the best arts, all of it is in Egypt, and Joseph is working for a guy who in a large part controls the security of Egypt, all right? And think about this as well. There's no 24-hour news cycle. There's no Twitter. There's no anything like this. So if Joseph, Joseph, this little guy, this little shepherd boy, this slave from Canaan who doesn't even speak the language, mind you, just happens to irritate Potiphar on a certain day. Potiphar has some bad pizza the night before and isn't feeling good. All right, his, his, his favorite team lost that day, whatever it might be. Joseph walks by and accidentally bumps him or just looks a certain way. Potiphar 
can go and just do whatever he wants. Because what it means when it says the captain of the guard, it means the head of security, right? The head of Pharaoh security. It also means this, check this out, chief executioner, okay? Chief executioner. So if Joseph did anything wrong at all, Potiphar could just say, take him away, kill him. And not only would nobody notice, but no one would even care or bat an eye because what is a Canaan slave to Potiphar in Egypt? Okay, suddenly being hated by your brothers might not really sound that bad after all, right? And so what Joseph has done, he's gone from bad with his family to worse because he is now in this place where at any moment, his life could be taken from him. Pretty rough stuff here. But here's the thing about Genesis 39.1. There is a Genesis 39.2, okay? <laughs> and in our lives, no matter what is stacked up against us, there is a verse two. The question is, are we gonna just focus on verse one or are we gonna remember there's a verse two? Because check this out. Let's read verse two right here. The Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Okay, so what God does here, and I love this, I love how the Bible works. God says, all right, I see your three and I'm gonna raise you three. All right, yeah, he's an officer of Pharaoh. He's the captain of the guard. He's an Egyptian. But guess what? Verse two says, I am with Joseph and he is a successful man and he is in the house of his master, the Egyptian. All right, there's the verse two. And that is so important in our lives that we remember every day, whatever we are walking in, that there is a verse two, okay? So let's break down verse two, shall we? <clears throat> I really just wanna skip through all this and get back to worship if I'm being honest with y'all. But we're gonna take our time with it because I prepared it and put some work into it. <laughs> the Lord was with Joseph. Those five words change everything. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord is with you. The Lord is always with you. No matter where you are, no matter what you are going through, no matter the circumstances, the Lord is with you, all right? Sermon over, church dismissed. We'll see you next Sunday. There's nothing else to add to that. That is a one ingredient recipe, y'all. It doesn't need more salt, okay? It doesn't need more flavoring. We don't need to keep going if I'm being honest, but this is my job, so we will. <laughs> the Lord is with you, okay? If there's anything else that we need, what else do we need? He created the heavens and the earth. He was there before the beginning of time. He will be there at the end of time. And he reigns in heaven and he's with us. So who cares about verse one? Who cares? Let me tell you something. I know y'all might not know this, but I'm not the biggest guy in the world, okay? I don't reign six feet five or anything like that and can squat 800 pounds or anything like that. Smaller guy and I'm okay with that, all right? When I was in college, I had a roommate who was a big dude, 
We actually called him the big dog, all right? And that's how you always had to pronounce it when you said his name. You couldn't say big dog. That sounds stupid. It was big dog, all right? And, and he was a big guy. We were good friends. And if I ever went anywhere with him, suddenly I felt about three feet taller because no one wanted to mess with him. He was a super nice guy. I loved Jesus. It was awesome. We go surfing. I'd catch any wave I wanted. Why? Because the big dog was over there and he'd take care of it if someone got mad. So I kind of became a little bit of a jerk when I was around him too because I got a little cocky. But the point is when I was with him, I, I didn't feel so you know, small anymore. How much more so when we understand that the Lord is with us in everything that we do and everywhere that we go? We need to, be a, we need to stop being a church that is full of a bunch of chickens, all right? And understand that we're more than conquerors and that those five words that applied to Joseph apply to us as well. The world, the, those outside of the church need us to walk with that truth that the Lord is with us in everything. Because if the world looks at us and sees that we are fearful and that we're afraid of whatever's going on, why in the world would they ever wanna come in and join us? But if they see a church who has our head held high and our chest out and not afraid, they're gonna say, I want some of that. They might be living in Potiphar's house, but they are successful because the Lord is with them. It was true for Joseph and it's true for us. The Lord is with us. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All right, listen to this, y'all. When, when, let me say, make sure I'm not getting ahead of myself here. Yeah, when God says he's with us, He's not a cheerleader on the sidelines saying, you can do it. I believe in you. You can do it, which is great at times. But what God is saying here is like, I'm not just watching you. I'm not a spectator on the sideline cheering you on. I'm in it with you and I'm gonna pick you up and I'm gonna be your strength with my righteous right hand, all right? I mean, and gonna uppercut the enemy with that righteous right hand and I'm gonna drag you if I need to, if you're weary and you're tired and I'm gonna get you across that finish line because he's with us. So don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Don't be afraid and don't be dismayed. Joshua 1.9 says the same thing. I have, not, I have not commanded you. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed. Why? Because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Not don't be afraid or dismayed because you go to church all the time or because you've memorized all these verses or because the enemy isn't that big and you can do it on your own. Because I'm with you. Because those five words that I said about Joseph are true with you. That is why we're strong and courageous. Not because we had five quiet times in a row this week. And look at me. But because the Lord is with us in everything that we do. Matthew 28, 18, verse 20. This is coming from Jesus. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me. All right, that's Jesus. All authority. Y'all say all. all. Come on now, church. Let's say all. all. All authority has been given to me. All right, and check this out, y'all. The authority that was given to Jesus was not from Satan. God gave him that authority. And the reason that God gave it and not Satan, because Satan never had it to begin with. He, there was nothing for him to give, right? Jesus didn't win the authority from Satan when he, was, when he was raised from the dead because Jesus says this before he died. 
So God gave him that authority because God has always had the authority. And so that authority goes with us. And so Jesus continues on and he says, in heaven and on earth, verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. And I, this is my favorite part. Amen. All right. Amen. Jesus says amen. Uh, he puts that stamp on there because amen means it is so. Certainly I am with you always. I have the authority. It is so. Certainly. So go. Do the mission I've called you to do. For Joseph, go and be a slave in this Egyptian's house. Amen. I have the authority. Don't get it twisted. Don't get it confused. Don't look at your circumstances and think it has the authority when I do. Go. Hmm. All right, let's keep going. The Lord was with Joseph. The second thing, he was a successful man. Here's what I love about that word man in this right here. It doesn't say that he was a successful slave. All right? Because where God put him didn't rob him of his integrity or his character or who he was. Though his title in Egypt might have said slave, God saw him as a man. And he said he was a successful man. He was a successful man right where he was. And I'll be honest with you all, for a while now, I've been asking myself, what does it mean to be successful as a follower of Jesus? You know, because I want to be a successful husband. I want to be a successful father. I want to be a successful pastor and preacher. I want this church to be great and to be successful. But what does that mean? What does that mean? And I think it's different for each one of us in our roles and what God has called us to. But I do know this, there's one common thing. I believe that when God looked at Joseph and he looked down on him and he said, he called him a success, it wasn't because he was climbing the ranks of this house that he was a slave in. I believe it was because in those moments of chaos that he was in, the success was that he still trusted God. Because success ultimately is a heart condition. Because God isn't impressed with titles and how much we accumulate here on earth. If anything, he says, don't do that. All that stuff wastes away. But, but come to me, run to me, trust in me. So whatever success might be for us, and I'm, I'm not like downplaying it on earth here, but it begins with trusting him. That is it. And so when God looked down on Joseph and he saw how he was acting and he saw what he was doing, he said, man, that's a successful man right there. And is there anything else that's more rewarding than God looking down on us and being pleased with how we're living our lives? Is there anything that's more successful than that? I don't think so. I really don't. And I wanna ask you all a question here. And I want you to write this down. This is not like a little passing note, okay? I want you to really think about this. Maybe even go home today. And I wanna ask you, where is your trust in the Lord right now? If you had to put it on a scale between one and 10, where would you put how much you are trusting God in whatever you are walking through in life right now. Go home, talk about it with your spouse, talk about it with a friend, call somebody up and have this discussion and look yourself in the mirror and really ask yourself, am I trusting the Lord right now? Because you can't have godly success if you're not trusting God. 
It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And I believe that's what God is calling us back to every single day, is that first love, trust me, trust me. You can't do it in your own power. It's not up to you, trust me. And then I will handle whatever road I've called you on and I will define what success is to you, whether it's this, that, and the other. But we have to trust in him first. A lot of times we trust the severity of the situation more than the sovereignty of God. And we look around at what we're walking through and man, this is really bad. And so I'm gonna trust that this bad thing that I'm walking through is gonna actually destroy me and be the end of me rather than trusting that God is greater and his authority is greater than what I'm walking through. And so I'm gonna trust in that. Instead, we get so consumed with the situation around us and we actually trust Think about this and believe that because it's so severe and so hard that it's gonna be the end of us. That's what we trust. That's what we put our hope in and our belief in that it's just too much. It's just too much. Joseph had every opportunity. That, I mean, look, we haven't even discussed in these three weeks that Joseph's mom was dead, all right? He had every opportunity, a dysfunctional dad, brothers that hated him, sold him into slavery, goes to a foreign land where they don't worship God, don't speak his language. He's a slave to a guy that could behead him at any moment. All right? Seriously. Separated from anybody he knows. And he could have trusted that the severity of the situation was just too much. But instead he trusted in the Lord. And because of that, because of that, he was a successful man and God said it so. So I want y'all really, listen, the word, the word trust in that verse, this is so amazing. It means to lie helpless, face down. It pictures a servant waiting for the master's command and readiness to obey or a defeated soldier yielding himself to the conquering general. When we're talking, oh, did I even read it? <laughs> I don't think I read it. Uh, it's Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That's where that, that word trust we're talking about here. I mean, lay, lay face, just here. It, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the story of Job, when Job loses everything, like his family, all his possessions. And it says that Job laid face down, prostrate before the Lord, worshiping God. That is trust. And when the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, it's not saying, all right, God, I'm gonna trust you for, with this, but I'm gonna hold on to this. All right, I'm gonna trust you with, with maybe my marriage, but with my finances, sorry, that's, that's me, okay? Or I'm gonna trust you here, but not over there. It says, I'm gonna lay my life out before you, face down on the ground and trust you with everything. And I'm gonna lean not on my own understanding. Because the second that we do that, we stop trusting him. We can't have both. It doesn't work that way. And what God is after is for his people to just say, here I am, here I am. I trust you because I believe that your word is true, that you are with me and that is all I need. Even if it doesn't make any sense, you are with me and that's all I need. So God, forgive me if I haven't been trusting you. I will start now. And when the next attack comes, I'll trust you then. And when the, the next challenge comes, I'll trust you then. And I'm not gonna trust you with a little bit, I'm gonna trust you with every little thing and every big thing that I have. All right, for the third thing. He was in the house 
of his master, the Egyptian. I, I love that God points this out in his word too, because here's the thing, we can confuse success with control, right? And what, what the Bible is saying here is like, yeah, Joseph was successful while still being in this house. In other words, I didn't have to deliver him first. I didn't have to take him out of the situation and put him here for him to be successful. He was still in the house when the success came. He was still there. And so many times we, we try and pray ourselves out of a situation and, and we rob ourselves of the blessing that God's trying to give us while we're in that situation. All we're consumed with trying to get out. Joseph wasn't looking for the, 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 the exit door or whatever, trying to flee. Maybe if no, when everyone's sleeping, I'm just gonna make a run for it. And as Joseph ran back to Canaan, he was a successful man, all right? It doesn't say that. While he was in Potiphar's house, the situation hadn't changed, but the blessing was there. Why? Why? Because though Joseph had an Egyptian master, God's authority trumped the Egyptian master. And it always will. It always will. So now, listen, y'all, instead of praying over and over, God, deliver me from this circumstance. Deliver me from what I'm walking through. Maybe our prayer should instead be, God, help me to trust you more. Help me to trust you more in this so that I can be successful. And so maybe I can change the situation that's around me that you've placed me in instead of just trying to get me out of here scot-free and not to worry about anything. Because I believe that God wants us to trust him more, way more than he wants us to be rid of the situation we're in. Because listen, he's not moved by it. He's not moved by those situations. He wants our heart. And, and I don't know if y'all know this uh, about yourselves, but with me, like when, when things, when, when he delivers me out of a hard situation, it's like, oh, okay, cool, thanks God, high five. Appreciate it. When I'm in the hard thing, it's, you know, knees on the ground, desperate for the Lord. Here's my heart, here's everything. Oh God, oh. Oh, I'm out. Cool. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right. Where do y'all want to go to lunch? You know what I'm saying? But he wants our heart. And unfortunately for us, a lot of times that means staying in Potiphar's house longer than we want. But he's after us. He wants to do a work in us. I don't think it's coincidence that God put him in the house of such a powerful man in Egypt because he knew the position that was waiting for Joseph. He was teaching him how to serve under authority while still serving God. Sorry, spoiler alert. <clears throat> My favorite two verses in all of the Bible. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know why I love those two verses? It's, not, it's really not because it talks about how amazing God is, but it reminds me how little I am. It really, it, it shrinks me back down to the size that I need to remember that I am, all right? Not in a condemning way, not so that I hate myself, but it's, oh, right, God, I'm, I'm just James, you're God, right? So I need to stop trying to figure this out and thinking that my thoughts are your thoughts and that when I have a dream that you put in my heart, that I can figure it out. And instead, I'm just gonna trust in you and let go of those things because your ways are higher than my ways. Thank you, Jesus, because if God's ways were my ways, we all be in a heap of trouble, his ways are higher, y'all. His thoughts are higher than ours. We can't reach them. So instead of trying to understand it, let's just trust him instead and, and be free of that burden of trying to figure it out ourselves. 
And I believe if there was anything that Joseph was successful about, it was that, that he had a dream, he held onto it, and he never once tried to grab control of it and say, this is how it's gonna be accomplished. Instead, he just jumped in the river and let the current take him where he was gonna go, trusting that God was directing the river that would then fulfill the dream that God gave him in the first place. Does that make sense? (laughs) Thanks, brother. Mm. We're gonna have the band come back up. And we're gonna close in worship this morning. But here's here's the amazing thing about the situation that Joseph was in that came from him trusting the Lord. Because there's also a verse three. There was the verse one, there's the verse two, and here's the fruit of verses, uh, verse two. And it's in verse three. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So here's this guy whose name means devoted to the S-U-N. And he sees a guy who's devoted to the S-O-N. And it changed everything. And you know, when, when I think about this verse where it says Potiphar saw you know, was, was just the presence of God so thick on Joseph that Potiphar saw it? Very possibly. But I also think as we study Joseph and we learn about him, I think Joseph in the midst of living in that house was talking about God all the time. And he was saying, you know, like, wow, you know, because in these houses, you know, Joseph was a shepherd. So he probably started out in the fields tending Potiphar's flocks and he did awesome there. And, the, and so the boss out there said, hey, you got to check out this guy, Joseph. He's pretty good. And he gets elevated. Well, how did you learn that? Where did you, where did you grow up? Well, God told me, God did this. God was the one that directed me. God, God, God. And all of a sudden here's Potiphar and he sees it on him. Think about what that means in Egypt for an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian to recognize God in his own house. Now the circumstance was changing. Now things Things were changing. changing. All because because Joseph understood understood that the Lord was with him and he trusted God. That's what it boils down to. Why don't y'all stand up? Matt, can we turn up the sound? There we are. Thank you, brother. So here's the three questions I'm going to leave you all with. I already talked about one. Where is my trust in the Lord? Where is our trust in the Lord? Are you walking in the truth that he is with you? Everywhere you go, are you walking in that truth? And the third one is, are you letting your circumstances dictate your trust? Are you letting your circumstances dictate your expectation? of what God can do in your life right now, in the situation, in the circumstance that you are in? Are we saying, God, deliver me, or God, help me trust you more in it? That's the prayer. That's the prayer, because you know what? I I hate to be a negative Nancy, but after this situation, there's gonna be another one. And there's probably gonna be another one after that. But if we can wrap our arms tight around the fact that the Lord is with you. And suddenly those circumstances, those situations don't really seem as big anymore because the God who has all the authority in heaven on earth is with us. So will you trust him? Listen, Jesus gave his entire life so that we could trust him with ours. He proved it to us, y'all. He didn't just ask for it. He nailed himself to a cross and said, here it is. I'm proving my love for you. Trust me. There's no question anymore. 
I've given everything. I've given it all my entire life so that you can trust me. You don't ever have to doubt. I'm dying for you so that you can trust me and so that you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am with you always. I didn't just die on this cross for nothing. I did it for you every single day. Father, I just pray right now for all of us in here that we would learn to trust you more. God, for those that haven't received you as their Lord and Savior, have heard about Jesus, heard the stories, and maybe are hearing it today for the first time that you love them, and that it's not about what you do, but or what we do, but what you've done for us. God, I just pray that they would receive you right now in Jesus' name. They would say that prayer. It says, I believe, Lord, here I am. Whatever words they wanna say, that all of us in here, those that might be receiving you for the first time and those that have walked with you forever, Lord, that we would just learn to, to reset our trust in you right now in this moment, God. And Lord, I just pray that you would forgive us. We repent. We repent of, of taking these burdens, taking these challenges, these circumstances all on our own and trying to figure it out ourselves or maybe being, being intimidated or scared by our circumstances and forgetting, Lord, that you are with us and that you have all authority. Fix our hearts, Lord, to trust in you more. Fix our hearts, God, to lay face down, giving you everything, not just a little bit of who we are, but all of it, so that those around us will see you on us and they will be changed as well. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, God. We love you. Let's worship.